Salam alaikum, everyone. This is It's All Relative, the podcast about crime in the family. I'm your host, Kaylee, and this episode is part two in a series about Kandil Baloch. If you've not heard part one, go back, start there. Here's your blanket warning. This is a true crime podcast, so don't listen if you are easily offended or disturbed. And this pod is completely all me, and all thoughts and mistakes are my own. I do try my best to be accurate and make educated determinations, but I'm not perfect. Act like adults, people. So, to bring this topic back into your mind, here's Kandil herself. Kandil Baloch, Western media dubs her the Pakistani Kim Kardashian, but anyone who knows her story is, at very least, uncomfortable with that comparison. There is a superficial likeness between the two women, but superficial is where the likeness ends. From the Brown History Podcast, speaking is Sanam Meher, the author of A Woman Like Her. She would say that she's rich and she would say she's, she doesn't need money and then all of a sudden the passport comes out and you... I mean, I think we always treated her as such, though, when she put on, when she, yeah, so when you watch her videos and you see that she's speaking in English in many of them, um, she'll put on like an American accent, even when she's doing interviews, the way that she talks, or when she says things like, you know, I don't need to do any of this for money, I just do it because I like it, I'm not doing it to be famous, I think she had a really, really good understanding of in our society and in our culture, who is allowed to get away with certain kinds of behavior? Who do we accept it from? Whether that's the way you dress or the way you talk or the things that you say, and who is considered quote unquote low class or cheap for doing Mm -hmm. those things. So she really had a good sense of that. And I think we always treated her as, no, you're so trashy or what you're doing or the way you dance or the clothes you wear, the way you show your body. Whereas if you look at some of our actresses or models or, you know, we don't maybe have the same response to them. Kandil tried to portray herself as rich and upper class to place herself in that category of those who can get away with envelope pushing. But Kandil grew up in abject poverty in an area with the highest honor rate killing in a country with the highest rate of honor killings. In an interview with the journalist Amber Shamsi, Kandil talks about the potential risk to her life, and she hoped to change the reputation of the Baloch clan. It's in Urdu, so there's not a lot of point in playing it, but Amber Shamsi had a grudging respect for Kandil. I did have objections to the fact that she used her body. Um, That's not what women should be about. 
But again, as a feminist, I admired the audacity for her to, you know, she made her choices. She was very clear about them. She wasn't a hypocrite. She certainly was not a hypocrite. That clip was from the documentary called Hidden Asia in the Name of Honor. And I have to say that Shamsi pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. For me, it was the whiny, spoiled toddler voice that Kandil often used in her social media videos. She was much more serious in interviews and debates. But just what did Kandil do that was so very bad? Well, firstly, she was a woman interested in not just fitness, but weightlifting and martial arts. From a woman like her, quote, One day she meets a man named Jalal at a party filled with media types. He hosts a show on television where celebrities play games and compete against each other. She doesn't care about the show. When Jalal tells her he has represented Pakistan internationally as a black belt in Taekwondo, he is pleasantly surprised that a girl like her, an aspiring model or actress or singer, he isn't sure what she is, is so curious about his sporting achievements. I could teach you, he offers. And so, three times a week, for up to two and a half hours each, she attends Jalal's classes, held at a mall in the capital. End quote. Kandil loves to sing. She wants to make her bones as a singer, but that's really not to be. Kandil makes her money as an actress in a packy version of a soap opera, and everyone knows what those women get up to. She models, she does a few singing gigs, she appears scantily clad in music videos and in her social media posts. Even worse, whether as a guest in a talk show or in her social media videos, she has opinions and vocalizes them. On national television, for Christ's sake. And then, when people call her a host of horrible names and say she should be killed, she keeps opining on talk shows. She keeps posting online. You will be sorry when I'm gone, she says. There will never be another Kandil Baloch. When Imran Khan divorces his second wife, Raham, Kandil posts a video declaring her love for the prime minister and asking him to marry her. When the president speaks out against the Western celebration of Valentine's Day, Kandil posts a video proclaiming, uh, I'm not happy today because uh, this is not good and uh, I don't know what's wrong with the government. Like, they can't stop to uh, people go out, but they can't stop to people love. You can't stop people to love. She then adds a personal Valentine's message to Imran Khan. Side note, don't get confused, guys. Pakistan has a president and a prime minister. Okay, quoting again from a woman like her. On 14th of March 2016, four days before Pakistan plays India in the ICC World T20 cricket match, she uploads a video to her Facebook page. If Pakistan wins, I will do a strip dance for the whole nation, she promises. And that dance will be dedicated to our captain, Shahid Afridi, just defeat India once, and whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. A few nights later, she uploads a trailer for the promised dance. She stands on her bed wearing nothing but a bright green and yellow bikini, and a white bathrobe stolen from a hotel. The robe has been pulled down and tied loosely around her waist. In the video, she cups her breasts and caresses herself. She sways her hips like a belly dancer, while an Enrique Iglesias song plays on her laptop. She draws the robe close to her like a matador's cape and then flicks it back to reveal a smooth, uncovered leg. The full film will be released online if Pakistan wins the match, she promises. End quote. In a BBC documentary called Why Has No One Been Convicted, 
journalist and fashionista Momina Sibten says, I feel suffocated. I feel like I can't live my life on my own terms. I can't even wear my hair the way that I want to without being criticized for it. There's a very simple phrase that in Urdu says, log kya kahenge, which translates to what will people think. It's so deeply rooted since the day you're born, sit up straight, talk in a certain manner. You want to break away from that, but that is deep-rooted in you so strongly. This was Kandil's biggest failing in Pakistani society. She continuously stuck a metaphoric middle finger up at all the people telling her she was causing a major scene. And FYI, Pakistan lost. There was no striptease. Whatever would have happened, had they won, can only be speculation. More from a woman like her. It has been a month since she uploaded the trailer for the striptease, but even now that's all the interviewers want to talk about. And so in April, when she is invited to be on a talk show called Ajib Sa, Kind of Strange, which has a humorous angle, the host asks funny questions and the overall tone is not serious. She says yes, it might be fun. The host Raja Matlu likes innuendo and makes sly jokes about his guests. Every time he cracks a joke, there is a burst of canned laughter and a giggling chimpanzee pops up on the screen. The show is shot in Lahore, but the producers say it isn't a problem that Kandil is in Karachi. She is not the only guest on the program. She will be sharing airtime with Mufti Abdul Kavi, a clerk from Multan, and the producers will just split the screen in two. Mufti Kavi has been a regular guest on talk shows, particularly Ajipsa, since his spat during a live interview with the actress and model Avina Malik made headlines in January 2011. We're going to do some fun questions, Matt Luke tells her during a commercial break. Some games types questions, okay? So that we can put out a good image. Okay, Kandil agrees. She glances up from her phone and smiles at him. But if a bad image comes across, I don't have any problem. Since when have you been so innovative? Metlube asks her early on in the show. Have you been like this since childhood, or have you recently become so enlightened? I don't know about innovative, Kandil replies. But since childhood, I have been bold like this, blunt like this, and hot and sexy like this. He asks her what she likes to eat. Oh, I'll eat just about anything, she replies. Really? How many have you eaten in life? Kandil knows he is making a crude joke about how many men she has performed oral sex on. She pretends she hasn't heard him. Matlub asks her about the video she made, makes lit at night. Why does she want to be a social media celebrity? I choose social media over electronic media, Kandil explains. I'm not desperate to come on TV and be on these shows. I have self-respect. The snickering chimp pops up on the screen. I'm a girl from a Baloch family, and Baloch have a very strong sense of self-respect. She continues, with the chimp and a burst of canned laughter punctuating her words. The producers run some of her videos. They have been blurred. You can only see a pixelated, writhing body in some. She is bored with talking about the promised striptease, but Matlub doesn't want to let it go. Every time he says striptease, the producers bleep out the word. So what if I had done it, Kandil asks. Is dancing bad? I would have stripped in my own way. They should have seen how I stripped, but our nation just got terrified. Oh my God, what is going to happen? Oh my God, what will happen? Maybe I would have stripped, maybe I wouldn't. I would have expressed my happiness about the team winning the match in my own way. She tells Matt Loop she wanted to leave Pakistan for a little while after that video went viral. I was getting a lot of threats, she confesses. He doesn't ask her about the threats, and she does not expand. I am still getting threats now, she adds. The chimp pops up on screen, giggling behind a paw held to his mouth. She thinks of the mongrels baring their teeth at her. The people of this nation are like the tail of a dog, she says, using an Urdu proverb. 
A dog's tail will never become straight. It will always be crooked. I even ask the people for forgiveness, but I still get abuse. I won't keep asking for it. It is time for the second guest to come on. We will ask him if the way Condiel tried to express her happiness for the cricket team was right, Matloop announces. The camera cuts to Mufti Kavi. He is bearded, and his beard has been trimmed to a neat point. He wears a plaid waistcoat over a beige shawar kabiz, has a dark velveteen karakul hat on his head. Mufti Kavi is a member of the Ruat e Halal Committee, the group of scholars and clerics tasked with announcing the first fast of Ramzan, then at the end of the month, the three days of fasting for Eid. I'm going to be in Karachi for the moon sighting, Mufti Kavi says to Kandil, within minutes of being introduced to her on the show. So, inshallah, we will be meeting each other. Many people have condemned and criticized Kandil and her videos recently, Matloop says, in his first question to Mufti Kavi. They say that vulgarity and nudity are being spread through her videos. What do you think? Kandil has been blessed by Allah to be a Muslim, Mufti Kavi replies, and all her talents and abilities have been gifted by Allah. So if she shows off her abilities, then she knows that she needs to keep Islam's teachings in mind when she does. Matloub tries more direct line of questioning. Mufti Sahib, people say that videos that are made in the bedroom need to stay in the bedroom. Do you think bedroom videos should be leaked? The cleric gives a long-winded answer about Islam's teaching about modesty. Matloub isn't getting what he wants. The cleric isn't taking the bait. Mufti Sahib, is wearing bikini a sin, he asks. Mufti Kavi holds forth about how women should dress modestly. Matloub turns to Kandil. The offer that you made Sahid Afridi, would you make the same offer to Mufti Sahib? Is it valid for him too? Kavi does not seem to know about Kandil's video. Everyone else is in on the joke, but the doddering cleric does not have a clue that he is talking to a woman who promised to dance naked in front of millions of viewers. I am certain that the way her name is beautiful, her behavior is also beautiful, Mufti Kavi says. Even Kandil smirks. Matlib gives up. He drops the light tone. Mufti Kavi isn't responding to his questions the way he has expected. Do you know how many homes you have destroyed, he asks Kandil. Why don't you people start teaching viewers how to pray in your shows, she retorts. Why do you call me on your show if I have sinned so greatly? We call you on the show to ask what is mentally wrong with you that you do these things, Matlub replies. Can you show your family what you do? Can you show your parents? What about your brothers? If someone goes to your father or your brother and says, look at this video of this girl, how would you feel? Kandil is taken aback. She is quiet for a few seconds and then asks, why are you getting personal with me? Matlub ignores the, her question. You have put these things online that so many thousands have seen. She interrupts him. Not thousands, she corrects him with a smile. Millions. They continue to argue. A few minutes later, Matlub asks Kandil about her family once more. Can we watch your videos with family? Can you? Can you show the videos to your brother? And if someone shows him the videos, how would you feel? He tells her that no Muslim girl, no girl from a good home, would behave like she does. Mufti Kavi steps in. He is gentle with Kandil. He chides her almost like an elderly uncle. If there are videos or photos that she cannot look at with her children or her parents, then she should know that this is against decency and honor, he counsels. We don't need to put a fatwa on her. She should ask herself that. Can you look at these photos with your family? Are her actions according to Islam? She can decide what to do. Neither Kandil nor Matloub could have predicted that response. She is used to being scolded on live television by clerics. Matloub is hoping for some of the ratings gold. Even when she is no longer there to defend herself, these men will still be asked about her on talk shows. But that day, Mufti Kavi does something no other guest on a talk show with Kandil has done. 
He asks her to sing something for him so he can see how beautiful her voice is. He requests a song in Arabic. As the show wraps up, Matloub tells Kandil, you should meet Mufti Sahib in Karachi, but promise me that when you do, you'll show him the bedroom where you make those videos. He insists. Show Mufti Kavi the, the bedroom where you make the videos. Will you promise me that? In the final few seconds of the show, Matloub says once more, it is your right to show him the place that you show hundreds of thousands of people. Kandil doesn't seem to mind. She finds it funny. When the Pakistan Electronic Media Regulatory Authority condemns the Kandil and Mufti Kavi episode of Ajib Sa for vulgarity, Kandil defends Matlub online. She liked being on the show. She had a good time, and everything he said, they were just words. Just jokes. She tweets a link to the episode and addresses Mufti Kavi. Thank you, Mufti Sahib. I am proud that people like you are there to represent Islam. End quote. Good God, there is so much foreshadowing and inappropriate behavior in that segment. I don't know where to start. Matlub is very much the Pakistani version of a shock jock. He's looking for ratings like Jeremy Kyle or Jerry Springer with a trans stripper and her Scots Presbyterian father. What Matlub gets instead are a self-aware woman and an oddly accepting cleric. Soon, Kandil hears from Mufti Kavi. He wants to meet with her when, when he will be in Karachi. She is able to forestall him twice, but the third time he asked, she felt she couldn't refuse. He wants to have iftari with her, which is the meal to break the fast during Ramzan. She wants to meet in the afternoon instead, and they meet at his hotel in his room on the 20th of June. Kandil closes the curtains, presumably to prevent glare, as she navigates the room taking selfies and ussies with the mullah. Mufti Kavi tells her not to post any photos that appear to be compromising. Um, these are most of the photos. Kandil is wearing a button-up, semi-fitted shirt with off-white jean-style pants. The Mufti has taken off his hat, his vest, and his glasses at various points in the meeting. Kandil puts on his karakul, that holy hat, and leans against him to get them both in the shot. He says he is not fasting, a strange claim, a strange claim for a mullah in Ramadan, and offers her a Coke and Marlboros. Kandil posts it all, along with her behind-the-scenes story. The Mufti tried to hug and kiss her. He told her he wanted to marry her. Once this is out to the public, it is a scandal. Quote, a very public row takes place between Kandil and Mufti Kavi. Who is telling the truth about the meeting? Mufti Kavi tells everyone that Kandil called him first. She insisted on meeting and coming to his hotel room. She wanted to be alone with him, he said. She says he is lying. I thought there would be some betterment in meeting him for me, she tells reporters. I party a lot, and I thought it would be beneficial to me if I spent some time around someone who is religious. He called me. Later, Kandil's parents tell the media about the day their daughter called them and said she had been terrified alone in that hotel room with Mufti Kavi. She told them she had slapped him and tried to get away. And then when he looked at her, his eyes turned dark with rage. He looked like a ghoul, and she was scared he would grab her. She couldn't even imagine what he wanted from her, what he wanted to do to her. End quote. This publicity sets a figurative boulder in motion, which will eventually kill Kandil. Mufti Kavi was born and raised in Multan, in the same district as Kandil. The Mufti still has a home there with his wife and children. But oddly, after this, he tries to deny this to the press. He says that he was born in Multan, but now he has very few connections in that area. Despite his denials and vindication, Mufti Kavi loses his prestigious position on the Ruat e Hilal Committee and is stripped of his membership in the PTI, one of the three major political parties in Pakistan. He has publicly lost honor. 
The media know that one reason Mufti Kavi wants to meet with Kandil is that Kandil admits she is also from Multan. They finally have a link to Kandil's past. And damn, don't they dig a deep hole. They get a hold of her passport and publish it. Her name is not Kandil Boloch, but Fuzia Azim. She is divorced. She has left her child. She is not from a wealthy background. She comes from poverty. Kandil begins to get death threats. Yes, she had already been subject to threats and trolling, but somehow, these threats are different. She asks for protection from the police. She doesn't get it. She calls a press conference where she says, quote, Being a Muslim girl, I respect all the clerics because they keep Islam alive. But it is people like Mufti Abul Kavi who disgrace Islam with what they do behind closed doors. I have no quarrel with other clerics. I respect them. I didn't set out to humiliate Mufti Abdul Kavi. Whatever has happened is God's will. Her voice quavers. But after this whole incident with Mufti Abdul Kavi, I have got so many threats. So many threats I cannot sleep at night, she says. She is getting calls from numbers in Afghanistan and threatening emails and messages. My sources have told me to go underground, she reveals. I am a prisoner in my own home. End quote. The media as a whole believes she is just being a drama queen. Mech tells her to lay very low. Kandil must have been truly frightened because she actually does what he suggests. She completely covers herself and goes home. On the evening of July 15th, Kandil sets down to eat with her family. Both her parents and her brother Wasim are there. Kandil wanted her parents to send him away when, when he showed up. She even gave him money, and he does go, only to come back a few days later, the day of the murder. That night, Wasim makes the warm milk the family drinks as a nightcap. He crushes sedatives into the milk, and when everyone is asleep, he can be sure they won't awaken. The next morning, Kandil's parents, Anwar and Azim, are very, very groggy, and it is Anwar Bibi who finds that Kandil is dead. The police come. There are lurid photos of Kandil's swollen, lifeless face released to the media and online. The information about the arrest and trial are available from a few sources, online podcasts and from Sanam Meher's book. But I want to point out this legal brief I found on digitalrightsfoundation.pk, entitled State vs. Mohammed Wasim and Others, Brief of Facts and Judgment. This brief is the only place I have found that asserts that it was Azim himself that not only accused his son, Wasim, but also another son, Aslam Shaheen, and added possible conspirators of Abdul Basit, Zafar, Haknawaz, Muhammad Arif, and, wait for it, Muhammad Abdul Kavi. Yep, it is the Mufti himself. Wasim is not hiding. He turns himself in the next day, and he confesses, not only during interrogation, but again in front of the magistrate and on the news. He says that as long as no one knew that Kandil Baloch was actually his sister, Fuzia, everything was fine. But since her passport was made known to everyone, he was ridiculed by the other men in the village and could not ignore how she was shaming the family. He acts very proud of himself and says that Huck Nawaz helped him get away. Okay, hold please for my intrusive thoughts. If Wasim was in a house where everyone else was drugged into a stupor, what possible help could he need to get away? Couldn't he just walk away into the night? Also, be warned, I have more thoughts that will intrude over the tale that follows. So Wasim is acting the proud father of this thing he has done. And why shouldn't he? He has done what countless other family members have done for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Killed a sinful member of one's family to restore the family honor. And for Wasim, as long as his family forgives him, he will be set free. 
Because in Pakistan, if a victim's family forgives the perpetrator, he will go free. And since the victim's family is also his family, freedom is often a lock for honor killers. Was Swasim just embarrassed that his sister, not him, was the breadwinner of the family? Wasim is the youngest son. Even in the family pecking order, he should be above his sisters. But he is not married. Weird for a young, adult, poor pecking man. In fact, Kandil tries to arrange a marriage for him, but this goes over like a lead balloon. He wants her to quit working, but he had no problem living off the proceeds of her work. Kandil constantly gave him money. It is Kandil who paid for her sisters to live in a style comparatively posher to that which they were raised, and Kandil who sent a literal truckload of gifts as a dowry for his sister's wedding, Kandil who cared for his aging and disabled parents. Her father is mostly blind and is missing the bottom of one leg. She rented them a house with all the furnishings in Multan. She makes sure they had plenty of quality food, they had health care, and their lives were comfortable. Azim and Anwar insist on calling Kandil Kandil, the name she chose for herself. Azim says that Kandil is a better son than all of his sons. Anwar has saved the meager contents of Kandil's handbag as the only mementos of her daughter, a hair clip, a phone charger. Did Wasim really feel his sister had dishonored the family by her immodest activities? Or was he just embarrassed that he was a bad son and a bad brother and lashed out like a six-year-old? Did Wasim think about his parents or the big-picture implications of his actions? Kandil's parents are evicted from the home Kandil provided for them, and they are back to struggling to make a living in a dust bowl. And when Wasim is arrested, his parents do something that no one expected, especially of his father, Azim. They refuse to forgive him. Wasim is going to trial. He could get the death penalty, and Azim hopes that he does. In fact, Azim hopes that all the conspirators get the death penalty. And shit has gotten very real here because Azim has not only accused and wished the death penalty on his youngest son. Initially, it is Wasim and Haknawaz who are arrested. Wasim being the youngest son and Haknawaz being Wasim's cousin. So, Azim's nephew. Wasim also admits that it was his brother Arif who told him to kill Kandil. And it is eventually confirmed that his brother Shaheen was also an instigator. That is two more of Azim's sons. And he doesn't want them forgiven. He wants them all to die for murdering Kandil. This would be a bit abnormal in Western culture, but in the Multan area of Pakistan, it is practically unheard of. And now, the story starts to change and fingers start to point. Haknawaz says that he started to strangle Kandil while Wasim held her arms down. Then he says that Wasim joined in strangling her when she stopped struggling. Wasim starts to see Kandil in his dreams, asking him, Why did you kill me? He recants his confession. Kandil's passport is found in the home of Haknawaz. Now, Haknawaz already had a record for petty crime when the murder occurs, so the question is, did he leak the passport as an easy way to make money off of his cousin's fame, or was it a deliberate act meant to discredit Kandil in the media? Because Haknawaz's transportation to the crime was supplied by a man who is alleged to be either the nephew or the cousin of Mufti Abdul Kavi, one Abdul Basit. And although Mufti Kavi denies the connection, it must be some other Abdul Basit from Multan. The Mufti is brought in for questioning three months after the murder, and the investigator found he was probably guilty of abetting. They are all brought up on charges. 
According to the brief, the courts in Multan find it highly important to have corroborating evidence that is more than just circumstantial. Haknawaz has his confession thrown out because he did not give it in the proper legal environment or to a legal officer. All the accused were polygraphed, but the judge refuses to allow that as supporting evidence, and probably rightly so. It is discovered that Aslan Shaheen had actually tried to warn his parents and Kandil that Wasim might try something. Adding to that the additional lack of hard evidence, and Shaheen is acquitted. They are in all in fact acquitted, except Wasim. DNA puts him at the murder and no one else. A few months after Kandil's murder, a new law is passed in Pakistan, nicknamed Kandil's Law. In essence, it removes the loophole in honor killings in which the murderer, or errs, can go free if they are forgiven by the family of the victim, aka their own family, who probably sanctioned the killing in the first place. With Kandil's Law, the court will decide the guilt or innocence of the perpetrator along with the fate of the guilty. All of the legal issues take about three years, and Kandil's parents hold on to their drive for justice for almost all that time. Azim makes an effort to be at every hearing of the court action. They have no money, and all the legal fees are pro bono. They are living by the good graces of a charity set up for women's rights. But by year three, Anwar is missing her children, and she knows that no one can bring Kandil home, but Wasim is a different matter. Azim has been convinced that Wasim was tricked by the others into helping in the murder, but he didn't kill anyone. They openly declare their forgiveness and tell the judge they have no disagreement with his being given bail. Anwar is adamant that Kandil's law is not a real Pakistani law and no one will follow it. She was wrong. In September of 2019, the court sentenced Wasim to life in prison. After the mullah is acquitted due to a lack of evidence, wait, this is important to know about this guy, Everyone who interviewed Mufti Kavi was convinced he was involved. This is the one time I think someone's epic failure of a polygraph might actually be unimpeachable. The man faked a heart attack to get out of his first court hearing, and they had to track his ass down to drag him back before the judge. Also, from that same documentary, In the Name of Honor, Amber Shamsi expresses her ironic pride in Kandil's ability to have pulled out the true mimola in the photos that went so badly. When I saw those images, you know, he's sitting there smiling. I just, I said, well done, Kandil. You know, you've shown his true face. Journalist Hani Taha sat across from him for an interview. In addition to just giving her the general heebie-jeebies, she asks him his opinion on the whole situation. This is, of course, again, in Urdu, so I'm not going to play this for you. But what he does say is, anyone who wants to make an allegation against the clergy, they should remember what happened to Kandil. So in other words, women should be kept in their place, otherwise something similar might happen to them. Sitting in the courtyard of Kandil's childhood home, Hani Taha reflects on Kandil's life. It's really easy to point fingers at women. But if you just take a look at where she was coming from, you have nothing. The only option you have is to just accept your fate and just die trying to be someone. She died trying to be someone. Because she didn't want to accept this life of abject poverty and, and constant humiliation and abuse. (sighs) 
Even if you don't like her methods, Kandil was an important, very large contributor to women's rights in the Islamic world. She was also an individual who, as she predicted, will never be matched. If you've liked what you've learned about Kandil Baloch, like the episodes, give them a rating and a review. If you didn't like what you've learned, or you just can't stand my pedantic voice, use the rights given in a free society and just stop listening. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach me at Despecta on many of the social media things. I try not to repeat artists too often, but MIA is just too relevant to Candil. So here she is with Bad Girls. Live fast, die young bad girls, do it well. Live fast, die young bad girls, do it well.